0: Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the fifth and long podcast presented to you by Patrick DeMar and Paul Kashak. Day four of Super Bowl Media Week here. The game is getting closer and closer as the, talk, the clock ticks on. And today we've got an awesome episode for you. Um, Eric Lupartis of the Kingdom Connect podcast, as well as Dwayne Breezy, a 49ers content creator, writer, are going to be joining the show today. We've got different perspectives on this game from both the Chiefs and Niners side of things, a couple of content creators. Um, had great conversations with both these guys, and we, we got some interesting predictions from both of them regarding the game, what they think the final outcome will be, and, and what it'll all come down to at the end. So, without further ado, enjoy the show. Leave a like, share, subscribe, and enjoy the fifth and long podcast ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the fifth and long podcast patrick Demar here Kamish, you're on board with us as well Kamish, say what's up one time what's going on everybody welcome back <laughs> for another episode and we also got a little guest here tonight eric Lupartis of the kingdom connect podcast uh Kansas City, born and raised, representing the Kansas City Chiefs on the show this evening. Eric, my friend, how are you doing? And how excited are you scaling 1 to 10 for the game Sunday?
1: Ah, man, I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, it's awesome to be back in the Super Bowl as a, you know, Chiefs fan. This is things that we've dreamt for, you know, our entire lives. And, you know, we're seeing it on a consistent basis um as far as my excitement level uh for this sunday i mean i'm you know i'm pumped man it's a it's it's above a thousand you know (laughs) it's it's everything you know we're ready for it ready to go back to back kind of thought you would say something along those lines um
0: tell us a little bit about kingdom connect your your show uh where to find it how long you've been running it
1: okay so um yeah. So you could find it on all your major audio platforms. I'm not really on the uh, YouTube platform at all. I didn't really do the audio video uh, thing. I was more just, you know, speaking to a microphone. Um, but, you know, it's, you can find it on Spotify, Apple podcast, uh, Google podcast, wherever, you know, listen to all your audio. Um, but yeah, no, it's just a, a fan podcast. No, I'm not like an analyst, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, affiliate with the team. I'm not an insider or anything like that. I'm just a you know diehard, long life Chiefs fan. Um, just something I've always wanted to do, podcast wise. You know, just talk about uh, my love for the game, my love for the team, and um, one day I just decided, like, hey, I just I I need to start it, and I need the motivation, and I think uh, I had mentioned to you. Uh, do you do you hear me well? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. Um, and I, I had mentioned to you, uh, before we had like that little conversation briefly, uh, I needed something to kind of help me start the podcast, like some, some sort of motivation. And then all of a sudden we trade Tyree kill and I was like, all right, this is, this is the perfect moment to start this podcast. And I finally did it. Um, as far as like the name goes, kingdom connect, that just, you know, kind of came to, came to mind right off the, uh, right off the bat. Uh, you know, because I wanted to connect Chiefs fans, you know, all of Chiefs kingdom. That's kind of what my mindset was uh, as far as like, you know, portraying what my my knowledge for the game, uh, my knowledge for the team, um, you know, how I you know, how I view opinions and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's been going on for two years. I started it last year. Uh, we went on our Super Bowl run last year and then I were on a run this year. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it's been a ride. I, I enjoy podcasting, and uh yeah, you can find it like so you can find it on all your major audio platforms: Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Um, yeah, so it's 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 pretty good podcast, I should say.
0: There we go. Kingdom connect, folks. You know where to find it. Um, so you're you're a diehard chiefs fan, born and bred in Kansas City. You remember the glory days of Priest Holmes, Tony Gonzalez throwing it back to the olden days. Some mm-hmm. of my first football memories, actually, of our Priest-Holmes kick return touchdowns, punt return touchdowns, the whole nine yards. Oh, Such yeah. a d- dynamic oh, yeah. player. Um, and, and you brought up the Tyree Kill trade as well. You've seen success for a long time. Paul and I were chatting before the show. It, in my memory, the Chiefs have never really been a bad team. They've always been competitive, especially with with Reed there. When they had Smith there, they were pretty good at I remember, actually, uh, as a Patriots fan, the week before the on onto Cincinnati game, you smacked us in week four. You, you beat us, I think it was like 40-something to like 10. Yeah, and everybody at, claimed our, mon- our dynasty was over.
1: Yeah, it was a Monday night football game. I was at that game. Uh, you were at was- that game? Yeah, no, it, yeah, it was. It, you know, what's so funny is there was a there was one lonely Patriots fan sitting in my section, <laughs> and I mean, I I applaud him because you know he he took the harassment like a champ. I mean, yeah. I felt bad. I mean, he was just sitting there drinking his beer, like you know, yeah. he was like, "Yep, yeah, we're getting our ass kicked right now. What it is, what it is." And oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cuss. Is that you know? Is that okay? No, you're totally good. You're totally good. good. You're um so anyways and then you know everybody's just tomahawk chopping in his face you know but no yeah everybody thought tom brady was done and ironically no you guys ended up making a super bowl run that year um and we also beat the seahawks that year which was so funny and then you guys ended up playing each other in the super bowl so yeah
0: well people even said mahomes was done at one point this year flashing back just to not too long ago week 16 this was christmas day A terrible loss to the Raiders, who were kind of on the come up at the time. Uh, Antonio Pierce, who took over, is now going to be the head coach there to stay starting next season. Um, But that was the last loss of a 3-5 and stretch that included losses to the Packers, Eagles, Bills, all playoff teams. Um, One of them, one of your conference rivals that you would end up having to face again and beating. Uh, You also have the Broncos in there as well. This was probably the worst stretch of Mahomes' career as a Chiefs fan. And this year actually was was the most losses Mahomes has had in a regular season. Now there is the, the extra week to the season, which there hasn't always been since he's been around. But um, did you have a moment, a few at that time, where you were really concerned about this team, or, or you thought, hey, maybe you know, well, we might even like fall down to the four seed, or, or what's going to happen? Did you feel? How did you feel at that time? How did other Chiefs fans at that time feel as well?
1: Well, I mean. Our, our fan base, uh, I mean, I'm sure it's like this in most fan bases, I'm sure you know, as a Patriots fan, you have uh, the bunch that are realistic and understands, you know, circumstances, and you have some that are super dramatic um, over a lot of things, and um, you kind of have a little bit of mixture of both in certain fans, but... um as far as the fan base goes, I mean, it was kind of like half just thought, you know, hey, this might be just a down year. It is what it is. And the other half was like, you know what? As long as we get to the playoffs, we have Patrick Mahomes, that you know, Andy Reid, anything can happen. And that was kind of where my mindset was personally. Now there was some doubt. I mean, I think after that Christmas game against the Raiders, uh, just how they played offensively. Uh, and then, you know, defensively, it just, it was just not great overall. And, um, uh, I just seeing how the guys were, you know, how players were with coaches, how coaches were reacting, you know, post game, you kind of had a feeling that maybe, you know, Hey, maybe there might be checking in, but they found a way. And, uh, it's one of those things where you can't count Patrick Mahomes out ever. You can't count Andy Reid out ever. Uh, The combination together is deadly. Uh, We've been seeing it for like the last uh, six years running. Um, And, uh, yeah, we just had to keep our faith. Um, And a lot of us, as the season went on uh, and then leading into the playoffs, we started seeing it in uh, reality.
0: Speaking of Andy Reid, if he wins Sunday, if the Chiefs win Sunday, he'll he'll be uh, just the fifth coach in NFL history with three – Lombardi trophies. That's three Super Bowl titles. Uh, The others on that list, Bill Belichick, Chuck Knoll, Joe Gibbs, Bill Walsh, all known as greats. Mm. He won't be around forever, though. So do you feel like essentially with with Reed, he's 65. He's not going to be coaching forever. Like, are you just trying to appreciate sort of the moment and this success, how unprecedented it is, how special Mahomes has been? Is there a sense of like, I'm getting to the brink so many times before that, and having all these good teams, but not necessarily like finishing the job. But now having Mahomes and all of a sudden the, the the switch flipping, is there a sense of amongst the fan base like people just trying to appreciate the team and and the success of the team right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would assume so. Uh, I I as far as fans go, I, I think that we're trying to appreciate the moment. We all know that Andy Reed doesn't have a whole lot of time left, um, you know, cause he is up there in age. He's coached for a long time. It's, it's not like he's been a head coach for, you know, 10 years, you know, or he started his career in Kansas city. I mean, you got to think about it. I mean, he coached for 14, 14 years in Philadelphia. Uh, and, you know, he went through a long time there. And, um, so I think as far as like the fans go, we're trying to appreciate the years that we got left with him, uh, what we're going through right now, the run we're going through right now. And I think the team, I would assume so that they're, you know, they're just, they're just living in the moment. I don't think they're thinking about anything that's, you know, Hey, what's going to happen three years from now, Where, where's Andy Reed's mindset after this season. Uh, I think they're just all focusing on, you know, just trying to win the championship and continue on the runs that they're, you know, they're on.
2: Eric, when we're talking legacy of like Andy Reid, for example, since we're on him and then obviously when we get into a guy like Travis Kelsey as well, do you think that just the fact that Patrick Mahomes is within the organization is, will, I don't know, say five, 10 years from now when we're talking about Reid as a whole and where he stacks up among the coaches of all time, do you think that that will maybe like, Take away from him at all because you know we kind of saw in New England when Brady and Belichick split people kind of diverted more of the success or gave more success the reason for that to Brady obviously he won a Super Bowl after he left New England, you know you look at Andy Reid's career you mentioned he had that career in Philadelphia, no Super Bowls there comes to Kansas City gets Patrick Mahomes all of a sudden now he's got two. Could you see anything like that happening? Is that like a notion within the Chiefs, Chiefs' fan base? Is there talk about that at all? I guess how did they? Is there any sort of differentiation of Reed's success from Mahomes's?
1: Um, well, I I personally think that as far as like Mahomes coming in, you know, he's had the success, uh, you know, from day one. But he came into a successful system, you know, already. Andy Reed had already established something for Patrick to walk right into and pa- Patrick just took took it and ran right with it. So um I think as far as like if they were to move on with each other if a, like something were to happen if Andy Reed were to retire called a career I personally think that um you know I don't think anybody would sit there and say that Andy Reed's career was defined by Patrick Mahomes or Patrick Mahomes, you know, moving forward 10 years from now, however long, you know, his career, we don't even know how long, you know, he he's going to play and stuff that, oh, he's only going to be successful based off how, you know, he was coached by Andy Reid. So uh, I, I think, you know, they go hand in hand with each other. They, they, won, they won Super Bowls for each other. So um, they're just kind of, you know, enjoying the runs that they're going on with each other right now. And I think uh, Andy Reid has said it like, "Hey, I'm I'm going to coach the wheels fall off." And um, I think uh, when it's all said and done, uh, I think they'll just try to appreciate what they had with each other, and not. And I think the league will look at it that way. I mean, I'm not, you know, I wasn't familiar with like within the uh, Patriots organization as far as like a a fan, but from like an outside perspective, I always kn- always knew that there was like. Oh, is it? Is it Brady? Is it? Is it? Is it uh, Bill? Well, they they were with each other for twenty years, so I think it was kind of logical to have that conversation. Whereas Patrick's only had Andy Reid for six seasons, seven years, uh, six seasons starting. Whereas, like like I mentioned earlier, Andy Reid already had that career in Philadelphia, so it's kind of it, it wouldn't be it. it I guess you can say, like, as far as, like, the Super Bowl wins, but Andy Reid took, you know, the Eagles to uh, NFC championships and Super Bowls.
0: Yeah, led uh, – helped Brett Favre get to uh, MVP as well when he was quarterback's coach in Green Bay also. Yep, yep. Uh, they won a Super Bowl together as well. Against the Patriots. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it all That's comes true. full circle. Um Where – so what I want to know specifically is, like, you've seen now – uh, six straight years of conference championships with Mahomes. This is his fourth Super Bowl appearance. This team this year has the lowest points per game of Andy Reid's Super Bowl teams. They have the worst record at 11 and six and the lowest point differential, plus 77. They're still a great team. All those metrics, like they're not bad. This isn't me saying the Chiefs are, are a bad team, but right, how right. different does this team this year feel from those other iterations of Patrick Mahomes led Chiefs? besides well, obviously the, the whole of Tyreek Hill not being there anymore.
1: I mean, uh, I, a lot of it has to do with that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> because he, you know, he was the guy with the explosive plays. Um, I think uh, losing, losing someone like him kind of also didn't help McCall Harmon because McCall Hardman, uh you know, he had explosive plays because Tyreek Hill had explosive plays. They fed off of each other in ways. And then, you know travis obviously ate up the middle and did his thing but um i think you know losing tyreek hill you added someone like juju smith schuster last year uh you know an experienced receiver like him who's who's been around who's seen a lot of defenses you know he understands the nfl wait Uh, juju
0: has played for all three of our teams
1: Oh yeah, that's why right. the Patriots. <laughs> that's why. Right. Oh, 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 Paul, you're are you Steelers fan?
2: I'm a Steeler fan, yes, sir. Yeah. So oh. he had one or two really good years with us, but uh, he yeah. uh, he needed Antonio Brown on the other side to do that. So he well, didn't really have that once Tyreek was gone in Kansas City. There.
1: Well, if Travis Kelsey wasn't a thing, I'm telling you right now, Juju would not have been a factor. So. Yep.
0: Um, yeah, we saw that in New England this year, brother. I can tell you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but no. Um, no, having a guy like Juju that helped out uh, Patrick as well, and pa- I think Patrick understood last year not having Tyreek kill around for the first time in his career. He had to, he had to take his game up to another level, and you know he took it to an MVP level, um, and we went on that run last year. Uh, but then the years before, it was just you know having those explo- you know like ex- those explosive players, having a guy like Sammy Watkins. Uh, even though he kind of battled through injuries it, it, in the suit, the first Super Bowl run, he had a great year. He, you know, he was explosive that year. I think he had like 700 yards, a uh, decent season, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't anything flashy, but he was able to make those key moments that uh, extended plays. And then, you know, you had the plays for Tyreek and Travis Kelsey, and it was just those three going on, uh, uh, you know looking like the Harlem Globetrotters out there but still uh, I think this year it's been losing losing Juju didn't have an experienced receiver I think they expected the young guys from last year to take a step step up right and so Uh, that's been
0: like Rasheed Rice just finding ways to, to contribute and getting better as the season progresses yeah, Paul and so, I love love rice, by the way. We're big. Yeah. I rice wanted did. to
2: ask you what you think his ceiling is because we're we've been kind of enamored with him and we think that he's come up big and super fast as well. And we kind of think that he might be coming that next big weapon of Mahomes', but I'd like to get the inside perspective on that.
1: Um, so you know, I, I honestly I don't know what I would compare him to. Uh a lot of people try to compare him to Dwayne Bow when he first uh got with us um okay. i think he i think he's just like that you know a big bodied slot receiver but he he actually started playing a lot on the outside towards the uh, latter half the later half of the season um and he's been you know flying i mean he had a great game and uh against miami decent one against buffalo he's had a few catches they had a few catches in the raven key catches in the ravens game kind of like was held to like you know under I think he was like held to under like 60 yards it wasn't anything crazy in the AFC championship uh. but he's been able to find those spots for um, Patrick Mahomes he's been being able to understand where Patrick Mahomes needs him to be because the thing about Andy Reid's offense and how Patrick Mahomes works it's all about timing it's all about getting in your correct spots and uh, I think Rasheed Rice is starting to finally understand that, and you started seeing it towards the uh, uh, the second half of the season, and why he almost became you know he almost got a thousand yards. I mean, he was the I think he was the most. Mm, he didn't break the Chiefs. No, he did break the Chiefs rookie record. He broke the Chiefs' uh, single uh, season rookie record, but he didn't break. Or maybe I got that incorrect. I don't know. He did something. He did either broke Andy Reid's uh, rookie – It was the rookie record.
0: receptions record. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was 70, yeah, it was on that Christmas Day
0: record. game that they lost, actually. Um, okay, yeah. It he was got his, his 71st, which broke the uh, rookie single-season receptions record. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah. With, with that, you mentioned the, the Baltimore game. I mean – after after that Miami game, which everybody remembers, the Ice Bowl and Arrowhead, whatever you want oh, to call yeah. it. I don't know yeah. if it has an official nickname yet, but it
1: should. Eh, um, I mean, I guess you can just call it just another cold day in Kansas City. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's fair. But then you have to go on the
0: road and beat Buffalo. You have to go on the road and beat Baltimore. Uh, the, the Ravens, by the way, are a team that Paul has a lot of chagrin with considering he's a – I was pumped when you guys beat him. Let's say that. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul's
0: had had stock with you guys by the way since like even since that Christmas Day struggle when I when I was trashing the Chiefs after that loss and and like really questioning whether or not you guys could make a playoff run Mm -hmm. Paul was saying no they still have Patrick Mahomes just wait till the playoffs because he's going to elevate the level of his play and uh, Paul and I got into a big argument uh, on our last episode about Brady and, and uh, Mahomes and their legacies and how Paul referenced some stats about how Brady's postseason performance is actually worse than Mahomes' is, like just through some numbers. Um, well, it was more so that that Brady's postseason stats
2: are worse than his regular season stats. Like he's, his performance is worse in the playoffs than he is typically in the regular season, whereas Mahomes elevates in almost every aspect of his game. If you look at his passer rating – his touchdown, like TD to pick, all of that.
0: Mahomes, uh, just the by sign the way, of a true clutch, clutch champion. Mahomes, by the way, this year has only had a uh, one turnover-worthy play and 114 dropbacks this postseason. Since we're talking about elevating level of play, he's, he's playing like almost perfect football.
3: Paul, it, it's,
1: it, well, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was going to say it's really not even necessarily. Uh, it's more about efficiency. He's more playing efficient football. Um, the numbers aren't you know high, like you said, the numbers are down this year, but he's the most efficient that he's been in his career. Um, and that's you know, it's it's worked. Um, as far as like the this coming into this run going into the playoffs, he's been really efficient in this playoff run.
0: As far as other things that you've noticed with this team this year, the, the defense has really stepped up. Paul and I talked about going into this uh, previous game against the Ravens, how these were arguably the two best defenses in the league, two of them at least, and the Chiefs certainly stood up. Um, They're only allowing 13.7 points per game in the playoffs against like the Dolphins and the Bills and the Ravens, who have three supposedly dynamic quarterbacks, three uh, supposedly dynamic offenses. Has the city embraced the defense as much as it seems like the team has?
1: Um, yeah, uh, I mean, there's the, the motto that's going around in chiefs kingdom is in spags. We trust and, uh, spags has been, yeah, we saw the
0: t-shirts
1: (laughs) phenomenal this year. And uh, ironically, he, he told, uh, he told a lot of reporters that, yeah, they need to burn those shirts. I, I don't like my face getting plastered over like that. Uh, he's a funny guy, uh, but he's been amazing this year. Um, what he's done with this uh, unit, uh, it, being able to mold them and uh, transform them into who they are. I mean, he took took a bunch of young guys last year. Uh, I want to say it was seven. Took seven uh, young, new new defenders on the team. George Karloftis
0: was in there. Uh, Leo Chanel, right? McDuffie, McDuffie all pros this, this year.
1: year. Oh yeah, you know a lot of new guys uh, that he had added onto that side. And they all contributed and they, they helped on that run last year. And it was crazy because technically last year was supposed to be the down year based off the young talent that we had drafted and, you know, losing Tyreek Hill. And then it didn't, we win, and then we all this ultimately ended up becoming a down year based off the statistics, but defense we've embraced it. It, It's, they've been awesome this year. Uh, Spag's been awesome. Uh, the coverages the mixed coverages the different fronts um i think the addition of joe Cullen, our defensive line coach uh who's also been a defensive coordinator in his past time i think having him around in Spaggs' like you know my, uh room kind of give him like a you know different you know mindset as far as like changing up different things and um it's been kind of ke- uh, keeping the defense versatile uh he's been you know sending a lot of different blitzes and I can imagine what he's gonna uh only can imagine what he's gonna do this Sunday uh against the 49ers. So um yeah, it's been it's been a great uh great year seeing how the defense has been. And technically, uh this has been the best defense that I've seen uh as a Chiefs fan. I, I didn't really get to watch those 90s defenses like that. Um, you know, because I was young, like you know, baby, whatever. Right. Uh, but uh, you know the Derek Thomas teams but those those teams were great but I think this team matches up as far as like the best can I would say is the best Kansas City Chiefs defense because there's not one weakness on the defense Um, I think if you go back to those defenses they just had one guy in each level whereas this this type of defense I mean we're there's so many guys everywhere as far as like in each uh the defensive line linebackers secondary, and they're deep. It's not just they have their their starters. They have a lot of uh, uh, role players, a lot of backups that are just come in and actually fill in and do just fine. Well, they have
0: this year a combined between the playoffs and regular season points per game of 15.6, which is the lowest since Andy Reid became head coach in 2013. Paul is a huge fan of Chris Jones, by the way, who um, is (laughs) – of reputable name for a few reasons paul break it down yeah so i I
2: really wanted to ask you about him and your opinion of him i was surprised that you didn't mention him by name when you were going through some of the uh the impact players just there i know that you were trying to highlight some more of the young guys to me honestly it blows me away that this guy can register double digit sacks at the frequency that he does playing on the defensive interior where that's not always a position that's gonna gonna register the sacks a lot of the um like the workload for that would be eating up blocks mind just talking about him and the impact that he has on that defense um, whether it be in a situation where he eats blocks and frees up other guys to make the play or he's actually making the play himself because I mean he's he's putting a hall of fame career together himself he's been doing it for quite a while
1: um yeah uh Chris Jones you know like you know you mentioned I I don't know why I didn't mention him at all either but he's he's himself he's Chris Jones, he's stone cold. He's a monster. Uh, the guy is putting on a hall of fame career. Um, the ability to just take up the blocks that he does, the, the bull rush, the power, um, his leadership. I mean, that, that, that's another thing. Um, he's been everything to that defense. It, it all starts with him. Um, everything around him, the de- you know, defensive ends, Carl Loftus, Uh, Um, who uh, unfortunately lost him for the season, but, um, a lot of those guys fed off of how Chris Jones was performing. And if, if he didn't have, if he doesn't play the way that he does, that defense does not that defense can't move. Um, because the defensive line is able to, you know, the way that they're able to apply pressures because of how many blocks Chris Jones takes up and his ability to beat the blocks too. Um, he just wreaks havoc and he's been doing it for a long time. Um, I know that there's some contract stuff that we, you know, we've been kind of going through with him the last uh, year, and then you know, it's gonna be coming up this year again. Um, a lot of us Chiefs fans, we we want to keep him around. We hope we can keep him around for the long run, but we understand that this is a business and uh the biggest thing is we're just trying to live in the moment with him and uh keep seeing him wreak havoc in the uh the middle of the defensive line. And hopefully we can uh, bring home this third championship with him.
2: You think he's the most important guy um, in terms of stopping Christian McCaffrey?
1: Um, I think he's the most important guy as far as like uh, making the. I I love Chris Jones, um, but stopping the run has never been his big forte. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of been, uh, his, his big weakness. Like if you were to find something, um, but he has gotten better. He has definitely been more committed. Um, I think if he, you know, he clogs up the rush lanes, uh, with more of just taking up the blocks in general, um, you know, you, you we have great linebackers that are going to fill the holes, uh, Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, Le, uh, Leo Chanel drew tranquil, uh, who's, who's had a phenomenal year. Um, you know, those guys are going to fly in and I can imagine what Spags is going to do. Spags is going to line a lot of those guys up into the, uh, gaps that are not occupied by defensive linemen. And he's going to occupy that with the, uh, linebackers. And it's going to take Chris Jones to just, you know, be himself just to take, eat up a lot of blocks and those guys to eat around him. So that's kind of it's gonna be more of a role, uh not necessarily for him stopping Christian McCaffrey like one on one himself.
0: With the Niners, it's not just CMC that the Chiefs defense is gonna have to find ways to stop this weekend. They they've also got George Kittle, uh, who is the the perfect um parallel to to Travis Kelsey. In this game they've got Brandon Ayuk, who wasn't a part of this team the last time they squared off in the Super Bowl Rock Purdy who wasn't a part of this team the last time they squared off in the Super Bowl, Trent Williams as well. where does this team rank in terms of one of the best tests of Mahome's career including uh, Brady in Tampa Bay including Brady in New England, even Jill Burrow, um, some of these other guys that that and teams that Mahome's and the chiefs have been to, face, to face, faced off against.
1: Well, I always say your next challenge is the next one. I mean, it's it's always it in the, especially in the NFL, everything's parity. Uh, Andy Reid says that all the time. I mean, it's any given Sunday. Uh so I I think as far as like ranking, you know, difficulty, um
0: not necessarily difficulty, but just in terms of like overall scheme of the team like offense defense coaching stakes of the game i mean Mm -hmm. if you look at it the only the niners trailed the chiefs in total wins the last three seasons they have 41 to the chiefs is 45 like for all intents and purposes last three four years these are the two best teams in football
1: yeah uh, yeah definitely i mean they've been in the nfc championship the last three years we've been in the afc championship in our time um no, I, I definitely think this team is uh, you know, I think they're they better quarterback play. Uh as far as like from the first 49ers team, Brock Purdy. I I think the slander that he's been kind of getting from a lot of people is not warranted. I, I'm a big Brock Purdy fan. Uh I love what you know he's been able to do for uh the 49ers to come in. And I think he 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 elevates that team in a different way. Uh, I know that. He might not be the the top five player on his team or whatever, but he does bring a different juice to that team that makes them a little dangerous. And uh, you know, I you know, you mentioned players like Ayuk, Debo Samuel, you know, Chris McCaffrey, George Kittle. Uh, you know, those guys, those guys are hungry. I mean, uh, Ayuk wasn't on the first uh, Super Bowl team, but Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Nick Bosa, those yeah, guys. Yeah, Bosa
0: is a huge matchup this weekend too.
1: Those guys were on the first uh, those first Super Bowl run with them in 2019. So they're they're hungry to you know win this game. They they almost have the the revenge mindset. I can imagine. Um, so they're going to try to bring it, give it their all into this game. So I, like I said earlier, I always say the it's always like the next matchup is kind of like the next challenge in a way, um, and I think. Uh, the The Super Bowl against Tampa Bay, they were just it, it, they were completely decimated as a team, like injury wise, offensive line. Yeah. Um, guys just were dropping passes. Tampa Bay had an answer for everything that they did. Uh, there was just no there was they just weren't going to get that one. But um, I think this I think this the Eagles won. that was a back and forth game, uh, you know, awesome that was game, fun, awesome game to watch. Uh, I know a lot of people didn't like the call at the end, uh, you know, as a cheese fan it is what it is. Uh, but uh, no, I think this matchup should be great. Uh, and it's, I'm not, it's not going to be a blowout or anything like that. I think it's going to be another low scoring close game. Um, and I think both teams are going to fight to the end.
0: I saw uh, some stat in some article. I, I read that um, like, I think less than 5% of Mahomes' career starts has ended in him losing a game by more than a touchdown. And Brock Purdy's is like, I think, three of his 25 starts. So both guys, like like kind of what alluding to what you just said, it, it's going to be a competitive game, you would assume. Um, for the Chiefs side of things, offensively, who, who do you think is going to be the biggest key to this game? Uh, Besides Mahomes, obviously.
1: Uh well I would say you know a Pacheco I mean they got to get Pacheco running I I've, I've said if you're not getting Pacheco at least 20 carries in this playoff run then you're you're doing this offense a disservice um it, it it's gonna start with him and um you know Travis Kelsey you, you know they're, they're, I can imagine the 49ers game plan is like stop 87 at all costs do not let him do anything at, at any moment so it's going to be any Patrick Mahomes Matt Natty coming to the mindset like hey we are running the ball put Pacheco because if you look at it 49ers defense they you know just like I mean we're not that great against the run either but they have not been great against the run um, at all this season as yeah. well and uh I think uh, what was it jo- uh, Gibbs had a monster game against them in the uh a- Even Aaron team.
0: Jones played really well against them uh yeah, in yeah, divisional yeah. round game too.
1: So it's it's going to it's going to take a lot um for uh our offense to still move the ball I believe so because they they're still a good defense uh but if we stick to running the ball mixing in a, a little bit of the short game uh, we should be fine. Uh, but my guy that I really want to see have a great game is Rasheed Rice. I think he's kind of had, um, you know, a little bit, you know, kind of a little bit of lull last few games. He has a couple of great catches. Uh, he had a, would have had a touchdown last game if it wasn't taken back by a penalty. Um, but I actually want to see him have a monster game. It would be amazing to see a rookie – just going there and just have, you know, a game of his, you know, game out of his mind. Um, Make it a lot harder for me to draft him in fantasy football again next year. (laughs) Yeah, no, I actually had him on one of my fantasy teams too. Same, same. Uh, It was one of those things where I I couldn't play him a lot because he wasn't really getting a lot at first. And then all of a sudden he started having those breakout games like, all right, I'm going to actually start consistently playing you.
0: Well, you talked about rice. Um, the Niners use a lot of zone in their game uh, for the Chiefs. Kelsey has 962 receiving yards against zone coverage this year. Rice has 852. No other Chiefs receiver has more than 260 on the year. Now, um, if you if you look at it, that it looks like they haven't faced a lot of zone in general this year, considering uh the passing numbers that Mahomes has put up this season. But you you mentioned if if that's going to be the Niners' game plan, stopping Kelsey at all costs, Rice is going to have to get the ball a lot. Paul, what what do you think the Chiefs are really going to absolutely have to get done on on the defensive side, or what are you looking for there, stopping this Niners team? Well, I want
2: to see if they can get pressure on Brock Purdy. I mean, I I, I would say, Eric. I mean, you think Carl has to have a big game, register a sack or two to uh, to make an impact here? I think if you can get purdy feeling uncomfortable like that that's got to be step number one because if he has time to sit back in the pocket there one of those big receivers on on their side is going to come flying open whether it be kittle debo Ayuk, or or McCaffrey out of the back he's actually
0: of 25 nfl quarterbacks who have faced at least 100 blitz plays this season purdy's first in epa per pass play and success rate so he he's great against blitz plays too which uh the chiefs did some blitzing against the ravens to try to Condense lamar but they don't really do a ton of it in general
1: yeah no i think uh the game plan with lamar and uh, josh it was more about containment more so than it was uh we're just going to send a whole bunch of guys after you now they did now spagnolo is going to blitz in the game he's not going to never just blitz but um it was more about containment more so in the uh afc championship against lamar jackson um, I think in this game, um, you know, speaking on what Paul was saying about George Karloftis, uh, I think, I think, yeah, he's going to have to have a great game because Charles Amona who's out, and he's been a game record these last eleven games or eleven regular season games, and then him going into the playoffs, uh, and losing him was towards was ACL tough. last week, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's uh, going to have surgery, I believe, next week sometime. Um, but he he was a force to be reckoned with and uh, more so on the turnover uh, factor because he had a lot of those strip sacks. I think he had like – like he had seven sacks on the season, I believe, um, and that was a career high for him. And I want to say like maybe two, two of those sacks were probably strip sacks uh, and forced fumbles. And, uh, so Carl is definitely going to have to have a great game. Mike Dana is going to have to have a great game. Um, just a lot of the role players, Chris Jones, you know, he's, he's still going to have to have a, a game of his life too. Um, I think the 49ers offensive line is, is okay. I mean, Trent, uh, Trent Williams is pretty much their guy. And then outside of that, they just have you know, okay guys. I mean, they're not like bad or anything like that, but they're not Trent Williams or anything like that. Yeah. Their stats
0: in the other areas on their O-line aren't great.
1: So yeah, it's going to really be about Spags putting the guys in uh, the right matchups. They're going to move Chris Jones all around the defensive line. They're going to move Carl Loftus all around the defensive line. Those guys aren't going to stay in one spot. And I think that's the one thing that Offensive lines find difficult about playing Spaggs' defensive line because guys don't just stay in one spot. And Spags tries to put Chris Jones on your weakest offensive lineman, um, or he'll line him up wide outside the edge. Um, uh, and then I mentioned a little bit earlier, he's going to put the linebackers a lot in those gaps uh, as well, um, where it might look like they're sending guys, where, but they might drop back into certain coverages um so it's really gonna be about trying to confuse Brock Purdy he's a young quarterback he has not seen every defense in the league still um not saying Patrick has he's still learning as well but um you know Brock has not uh you know he has he I don't even think he's played he hasn't even played a SPAC's defense last time he played the Niners Garoppolo was still quarterbacking that team so this will be the first time uh, Brock Purdy's playing a, uh, an experienced defense, a more sound defense. Um, but I think Spags is going to be a little bit more, uh, a little bit more mixer. He's going to send, but he's not going to do it at a crazy amount.
2: Another big you. matchup in this game, uh, your defensive backs against the Niners receivers. You meant we talked about McDuffie a little bit earlier. A guy, I don't think we mentioned yet Lajarius Need uh has come up pretty big in this playoffs, has had a good year. Those guys are gonna have to be uh, tasked with shutting down Debo, Ayuk. How confident are you that they'll be able to get the job done in that regard?
1: I'm very confident. Uh, 100% confident of those guys. They have been, they have done it all year long. Um, they've been themselves. I mean, they might have had some mess ups every once in a while. seen hasn't given, didn't even give up a touchdown all year until I think he gave up his first touchdown in the Buffalo Bills game, uh, the divisional round game. But still, I mean, just to go all season long with not doing so um I, I yeah those guys are gonna have to you know still play out of their minds because Debo Samuel's great iuk's great I could imagine they're gonna line Snead on iuk because uh the thing about Spags it's kind of like similar what Belichick would do he he's gonna take his best best receiver or sorry his best corner and he's gonna eliminate your number two he's gonna compl- completely eliminate your number two and then he's gonna double team your number one um, I think that's what he's going to do. He's going to take Snead. He's going to line him up on, uh, IU, try to completely take him out. And then they're going to do mixtures, of uh, McDuffie, uh, and a uh, safety more, uh, more so probably like Justin Reed got bigger, bigger body safeties on Debo. Uh, I can imagine, uh, Justin might get him a little bit more one-on-one with George Kittle too um and the linebackers are going to have to play great in coverage too but uh Steed and McDuffie yeah those guys have been great all year and they're going to have to have another great game too
0: do you have a, a score prediction for this weekend
1: yes I do I think we win uh 24 20 okay okay in tonight. what
2: fashion? In what fashion? Comeback fashion? Are you guys up the whole time? And San Francisco scores a little garbage time TD later. How's this game play out?
1: You know, this is going to probably – this probably could give a lot of Chiefs fans heart attacks, but I think uh, – I don't think we end with the ball. I think the 49ers – I think the 49ers have the ball last. And I think defense our defense – Defensive stop to win the Super Bowl. I love I think, it. I think defense gets a stop. I, I – I'm going to go ahead and say – there's a pick. I don't I'm not gonna say I don't know who's gonna get it, but I think there's gonna be an interception to end the game. And uh Mahomes uh will win his third championship, Andy Reid will win his third ring. Um yeah, so I think we win 20 24-20. Um and yeah, it's uh gonna be a great game. I'm excited for it.
2: Super Flash. Bowl MVP pick.
1: You know, I'm I'm gonna be different this sh- I'm not gonna be typical and pick Mahomes, even though I think it's been what I don't even remember the last non quarterback uh, that had it. Um, but uh, I think
0: it was Julian Edelman. I think,
1: oh, uh, Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup, Cooper
0: Cup, yes.
2: yeah, 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 Cooper
1: Cup. Cooper Cup, yeah. Um, you know what? I'm gonna think Kelsey's gonna get it, and the only reason why I say that is because it, you know, people are predicting that he might retire this year, who knows. How everything's gonna go and you know his girlfriend's gonna be there, Taylor Swift. So I'm gonna go ahead and pick uh Travis Kelsey. Uh that's my Super Bowl MVP right there. His girlfriend, none other than Taylor Swift.
2: <laughs> I say I say he put he put Swift on the map, not the other way around. So that's the <laughs> way I look at
1: it. <laughs> hey, you know what? I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree. I wouldn't disagree, but And if you talk to my, uh, fiance, she, it's like the best of both worlds, uh, for her. So it's, uh, it's been a great thing.
0: Flash forward to next season though. I know you talked earlier about the next challenge is the next game, whatever, but Mm -hmm. Joe Burrow is coming back next year. He's the only active quarterback to have beaten Mahomes in the playoffs. So that excludes Brady who who did it a couple of times, um, just, just wanted to sprinkle that in for you. Go, Pats. Um, it's, all, it's all good. It's we're, we're never making the playoffs again. Maybe we will. Who knows?
1: <laughs> hey, uh, you never know. I mean, who knows what... Uh, oh Gerard God. Mayo. Gerard Mayo. Yeah, who knows what he might do? Uh, I think you guys do need to find another quarterback. Oh, yeah. Uh, I... I I think Bill ruined Mac Jones. Uh and and I don't wanna say that in like because Bill's a back No, I agree with thing. you. I agree with I you. I just think Mac, you know, he could have been a good quarterback in, in the NFL, but just the benching, starting, benching, starting, benching, starting, I think that uh, yeah we,
0: we don't need to get into it i could do i could do an hour on this man you I'm, don't sure wanna, you don't go there. I'm sure you don't want to go there i'm sure you can yeah tread but,
2: carefully here we're on dangerous ground the way that this conversation is trending
0: <laughs> no but talk to me about about burrow and next year who not even burrow specifically if and and let's not talk about purdy either if you had to pick one guy that you think is the greatest threat to mahomes and the chiefs going forward one team one player whoever who gives you a little uh who's the little voice in the the back of your head at night as a Chiefs fan that that you're slightly scared of
1: um well I think a lot of Chiefs fans have to realize that the one current team that has knocked us off is the Bengals I mean and they've beaten us in the regular season I mean the Bills have beaten us in the regular season the last three years but that has not mattered in the playoffs obviously but I think Joe Burrow, I mean, he's shown to find a way to win. Um, I, But you know what? It, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I think there's always going to be someone next. There's always going to be someone trying to be right there competing with Mahomes uh, because, you know, he is currently the best player playing in the game today. Um, And they're always going to try to find that next guy. Uh, But Joe Burrow is the one guy that has beaten him in uh, the big game uh, to get to a Super Bowl. Um, But those it's Lamar Jackson's always going to be a threat. Josh Allen's always going to be a threat. Joe, those those quarterbacks are always going to be a threat. And uh, Mahomes. What about uh, Herbert and uh, Harbaugh? Well, we haven't seen the combination yet uh we got to see it first. I, I mean, it's, it's great for chargers fans. I mean, they, that's something to give them hope because he's a, he's a, a great coach, but um that's going to be a
0: sick divisional rival, by the way.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it should. I, I mean, I think if you're from a, if you're looking from a football perspective, I always said uh, great quarterbacks need uh, offensive minded coaches, not defensive minded coaches, especially in today's NFL Um, so it'll be great for Herbert but uh, no we're uh, still going to try to take care of business against them no matter who's coaching (laughs) I
2: could I could sense it in your voice and your answer that you were basically saying "Nah, I'm not worried about the Chargers at all (laughs) I know you're not going to come right out and say it but I I could read between the lines on that answer
1: I will you know realistically you know being a first time, first year with them, they might take a, they might take a down year because there's a lot of contract stuff that they got to get through. Um, But I mean, Herbert's, Herbert's a deadly quarterback. I mean, you've seen how he could play. Um, If he could stay healthy, I I think he's always going to be one of those top quarterbacks too. But again, it's going to be about getting it done when it really matters at the end of the day. And Patrick's only been the one that seemed to get it done um and uh yeah that's uh kind of what it matters
0: all right my friends eric uh paul you got anything else for eric anything else on, on yeah, your mind if we're asking? in
2: close. if we're in closing i i really wanted to ask you uh um, yeah, for sure for sure kansas city barbecue what's the best stuff to get out there because i hear i hear it's really good what's uh what's your go-to are you gonna have any of it for like a super bowl spread this weekend what are we looking at
1: So we're going over friend's house. I don't know what we're, uh, doing. Uh, we kind of just planned like, you know, it's so funny. We only planned like the desserts. We haven't even planned any of the actual main food yet, but desserts are uh, key too though. Oh yeah. No, I mean my, uh, she's going to make like these, uh, chiefs decorated rice, crispy treats. So it's going to be great, but um no as far as like barbecue goes i would say uh gates gates is always going to be number one for a lot of people um but me personally um i would say if you go to jack stack uh, i don't know if you guys ever heard of jack stack before uh it's one of uh kansas city's uh famous barbecue joints but if you ever go to jack stack if you took their meat and you combined it with Gates barbecue sauce, or Gates the other Kansas City barbecue joint, that <laughs> would be the perfect, perfect barbecue. Okay.
0: Um,
1: they're they're all great. Uh, I, I am know, I getting the the burnt ends, fire kissed wings? What am I doing? Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, I would get if you're gonna go to get burnt ends, I would go to Joe's. Joe's has the best burnt ends. Uh, Casey Joe's. Um, they also have a great sandwich called a Z-Man sandwich. It's a brisket uh, and onion ring. And it's on like this, but it's fire. It's, it's fire. Oh, uh, man, I got, I got well, it. We're going to have to come get one of yeah, these. Yeah. We got
2: the right guy for this, man. He had this answer ready to go. We got a whole plate. Oh That's yeah. I love this.
1: Jack stack's great. They have a whole bunch of great things. I like their baked beans. Um, and then um gates i would say uh their ribs are really good in their uh their uh beef sandwich so yeah there's i mean it's there's a whole bunch of places i mean there's even like small mom and pop joints that are great too um that i've always told people like hey you don't always have to go to the main ones uh there's also uh, q39 which is a little bit more bougie barbecue but it's still good too um, but yeah, I always say try to find the small mom and pop shops because those are, those are the, what the real fire, uh, barbecue, uh, happens.
0: I believe that. I believe that. I definitely believe that. Um, all right, man, I am hungry right now.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I yeah. mean, it's, uh, my mouth's watering at the yeah.
0: moment. I need so. a plate of barbecue delivered to me ASAP. Um, but, uh, so uh,
1: which one was, uh, which one lives in Carolina?
0: I live in South Carolina right South now. Carolina. We both went to school at, at South Carolina. Paul lives in uh in Boston.
1: So okay, so I've it's funny because Kansas City uh people and Carolina people have kind of like beefed a little bit about barbecue and stuff, and uh because you guys are more like uh vinegar-based. Vinegar based, yeah. I mean, you guys, yeah. More, yeah. Vine- you guys yeah. more vinegar based. Um, and we're more were sauce um and season and stuff. So uh i will i need to i actually never personally tried carolina barbecue so i need to go and try it at some point carolina Uh,
0: gold is the move it's really good it's like a sort of like honey mustard but not quite okay okay
1: yeah no definitely i would like to try uh some carolina barbecue at some point yeah man you gotta
0: come visit uh come visit the good old uh city of columbia south carolina we'll take you to a gamecocks football game
1: okay okay
0: see if it rivals the atmosphere of arrowhead
2: no yeah. shot, but but we can talk it up. We're we're a basketball school. I don't know if you've if you've seen how good our basketball team is doing, but we're uh, we're pivoting to a, a complete basketball school.
1: You know, it's so funny is uh KU, uh they're they're still a basketball school. They're always gonna be great at basketball no matter what, but they have been bad on the road this year. And a lot of people were just like, man, when's football season going to start? Because the football. Oh, team come on,
2: been- man. You guys football- just made Houston look silly on Saturday.
1: I know. I know. It's it, it's one of those things where I think a lot of people were just excited how the football team did this year, winning a bowl. Um, and just how their that program's getting built with a new coach. Um, and yeah, it's just it's exciting to be a KU fan as well.
0: You got Bobby Witt Jr. locked down too for, for quite some time. I don't know if you're a yes, baseball guy.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, I mean I'm not like a I'm not like die die hard, but like, you know, I'm a KC sports guy. So I'm always gonna be following the Royals. And you know, I go to a few games a year, you know, they have been cheap the last six years. So um, but yeah, no, it's been awesome signing him. Uh our we've superstars. got a Royals
0: affiliate here in, in Columbia, the the Fireflies.
1: Oh really? Uh, Yeah. What are they? One of the single A teams. Single A teams. Awesome. Yeah. No. uh, No. Royals. They signed their guy. uh, I think it's the largest contract in Royals history. Um, And uh, they're in the process of trying to get their stadium uh, moved. So they're going to be moving uh, Kaufman to the downtown Kansas City area. That's going to be kind of the plan within the next few years. Geez, I really
0: got to get to Kansas City now. Then, uh, Kaufman's yeah. on my bucket list.
1: Yeah, so uh, they're gonna. I would try to get there uh, if you're trying to see the old stadium and how how it is. And then, uh, I think the Chiefs, what their plans are when the Royals move. I think they want to use that space and move the practice facility there. Is what I've heard. Obviously, anything can change in the future.
0: All right, Paul. It sounds like you and I are going to a Royals game and getting some barbecue.
1: Yes. Yeah, man, it sounds like a plan to me.
0: Go see Bobby Witt, man. <laughs> We're gonna need it, uh, Eric Lapartis of the Kingdom Connect podcast. You can find Kingdom Connect on Spotify, Apple Music, the whole nine yards. Um, Eric, my man, thanks, thanks for joining us. Good luck this Sunday as well.
1: Um, yes, and you guys can also find me uh, my social media. You guys can find me on uh, X, Instagram at uh, Big EKC. That's a uh, Big EKC uh content my my instagram is more of my my personal training all that stuff um uh, but then my twitter is more uh based on sports and all my takes on there and just opinions and having fun about the chiefs so uh yeah that's big ekc if you guys want to follow me on my social medias
0: awesome man thanks again for for taking the time out of your night to to meet with us um patrick damar and the Kimish signing off here from the fifth and long segment. When we come back, we're going to have the Wayne breezy representing the San Francisco 49ers on the other end, uh, giving us a little bit of the pulse of the fan base in San Francisco and how folks are feeling about that side of this matchup. Follow us on fifth and long uh, socials at fifth and long on Twitter at fifth and long pod on Instagram and YouTube. Go
1: Chiefs.
0: <laughs> He's doing the Tomahawk chop on, on the video <laughs> chat YouTube subscribers. will see that. Um, Thanks for for tuning in, folks. Like, share, enjoy. Stick around for more content right here on Super Bowl Media Week for the fifth and long podcast.
3: Hey, there he is. What's going on? What's up, my man? How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing real good. Super Bowl is almost underway. Hell
0: yeah, it is. Um. Listen, I I am recording. By the way, I I just like to get it going as as soon as we go on, so I didn't want to like catch you off guard or anything like that. Um, I see the Celtics banner in the background.
3: Yeah, uh, man, I'm a diehard Celtics fan. This is funny. I'm an '80s kid, so you know I got the chance to see the the end of the Celtics, and then they kind of won a little bit later on, and and in, in, in the early '2000s, and then uh you know the Niners, same thing. You know '80s, that '90, that '90 Super Bowl, and then. And we're trying to get another one in, so
0: that's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm from Massachusetts area originally. I now, um, yeah, I grew up in Columbia, South Carolina. So I've got the Devo Debo Kinlaw kind of connection with the Niners. I'm a Pats fan, as you can see here. I
3: see, I see. Yeah.
0: But huge, huge Celtics fan too. Love the team this year. This is probably of my lifetime at least. That 2018 was was awesome, but I think this team could have the potential to. Be just as good, if not better than that.
3: Yeah, I I agree. They they're built a little different, and you know they're trying to get a couple of couple of uh you know gritty gritty pieces right now as the as the trade deadline uh ends soon, and so uh they just got to stay pat, man, stay the course, and keep moving the daggone ball, right? Like I so, like, when they get to that one on one ball, that's kind of when they struggle. They just got to keep moving the ball. Somebody will be wide open to hit a shot.
0: Yeah, they definitely seem to change their late game offense. A little bit, and and that's when they get into that one-on-one ball, kind of iso ball between Brown and Tatum, trading passes, and they don't even do it all the time. It's just like every once in a while, like we saw it against the Timberwolves that game that ended up going to overtime. We saw it um, against the Nuggets yep. that game that they lost at home. Um, man, I I hope that um I have a feeling that it might look a little bit different come playoff time, especially if KP is healthy. But we'll see. We'll. See. Yeah, and
3: that's the key, right? To keep them to keep them healthy. He's healthy. the X Factor. He's the X Factor, for sure. For sure.
0: Um, I didn't even properly introduce you. Fifth and Long fans, welcome to the show. This is uh, Wayne Brown or the Wayne Breezy, I believe, yeah, yeah. as as you're uh, typically known. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you do for the San Francisco 49ers uh, fan sort of space, if you will.
3: Yeah, so uh, I write. Uh, for 49ers web zone uh, And and generate stories and editorials and, and breaking news and things like that For the web zone and uh, shout out to those guys Over there my man David uh, And I also content create and uh, Do podcasts uh, with several Different on several different platforms uh, I got started Podcasting uh, pro- I think during during the year Right after the Colin Kaepernick stuff started to kind of like re- Heat up gotcha. and, So like 2015 uh, probably Yeah. And so I was, I was writing at the time on like some Facebook groups uh, and it was a particular Facebook group that I was writing for. And I kind of wrote my piece on the Colin Kaepernick situation. And after that, they kicked me out. And so then I kind (laughs) of like, you know, I kind of got like a little discouraged a little bit. I'm like, wait a minute. I can't speak my my mind. I I can't, I can't have my own opinion about certain things. Not trying to offend anybody. Uh, but it's opinionated, so either you're with it or you're not, right? And so I'm cool with the constructive criticism or whatever. But that's kind of what happened. And then I got a a, a, back then it was called Twitter for those that know it as X. But (laughs) uh, I got a tweet from from someone a group called Nothing But Niners, and it was a person from Nothing But Niners. He said, "Hey, man, I've been following you on Twitter. I really love your energy. I love your takes. How would you feel like being a part of Nothing But Niners?" And I didn't know anything about this particular group, I had just kind of like got out of a group, and I was like, I don't know if I'm feeling groups. <laughs> and so, um, he we, he brought me in. We we met online, uh, and I started writing for them. And then I, I I realized they were doing podcasts, and I was like, well, I I want to be seen and heard, opposed to being behind the curtains and just writing the words. I I kind of want to be on the camera. So I asked them. They told me to come on and. And after that, I started doing draft shows and getting into, uh, you know, the college uh, prospects and things like that, uh, just to give my little twist and spin uh, and talk about Niner football. And then I created my own brand, which is the Wayne Breezy Network, uh, which I'm trying to create. I'm trying to create my own network uh, out there, you know, sort of kind of like following in the footsteps. I don't know if you're familiar with a guy like Tyler Perry, and he yeah. did shows and, and movies. Yeah, absolutely you know, in Hollywood and he didn't like what was going on. And so he created his own. Right. And so I'm kind of I kind of have that as my motivation. And it's taken some time um, to get it off the ground. But I'm out there creating content for the 49ers, for the faithful and just building the community. I'm working with guys like John Chapman. He's one of the greatest people I've ever met. Uh, He does the 49ers Rush podcast. And now I've landed a spot with Bleacher Report. So I'm creating content, uh, live content on Bleacher Report uh, weekly. And it's just been a great ride so far. And I'm hoping that the Niners, which is my favorite team growing up, uh, how cool is it when you can cover your favorite teams? And I, yeah. I think it's what it comes down to. You can give it, you can give the passion. Uh, the biases are cool. It is what it is. Like it's your favorite team. Uh and so it's just it's been a great ride. And I, I continue to look forward to what's in store for next. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Um <laughs> shout out to John
0: Chapman, by the way, for putting me in touch with you. I, I originally Instagram DM'd him and a few other uh, 49ers writers, people who cover the team and he told me to to try to get in touch with you. Okay. So, thank you for taking time out of your very busy week as well. I know how busy I've been trying to put together content and I see how much content you're putting together, so I can only assume how busy you are as well. <laughs> uh, so we got we got some time here to talk a little bit about the Niners side of this coming Super Bowl matchup. I just uh, finished up last night with Paul, my co-host, and a guy by the name of Eric Lupardis, who runs the Kingdom Connect podcast. He's actually born and bred in Kansas City.
3: Um, are you? You're not. You're not living in San Francisco, right? But I'm, I'm not even from the Bay. So I'm I'm from a a town called New Haven in Connecticut, which okay. is the, the best pizza to- in, the, in the world. Yeah, See? I say New Haven. It's two things you know. It's either Yale or the best daggone pizza in the world. That's what what we're known for. And so, man, yeah, that's how I was born and raised there, and I still reside in Connecticut as we speak, but I do spend time out on the West Coast getting out to the games, because when I give content, I want to make sure it's authentic, you know, and it's kind of hard to talk about the Niners when you're not there. So I I do get to go to several games throughout the regular season. Uh, As far as home games, I've been to the playoff games, and I'm headed to the Super Bowl, so this is going to be exciting. Uh, upcoming, that's awesome.
0: Never been to a Super Bowl. I've I've only been to one NFL game. It was the Patriots' first round win against the Chargers. The okay. the Super Bowl run against the that we ended up beating the Rams. Uh, that oh. final year that that Brady and, and Edelman and Gronk were really in their heyday in New yeah. England. That was a beat down too. Great game. Um, yeah. so, so cold
3: though. Super Bowl was different, but that that game
0: was a beat down. This game that. Rams team actually, in some ways, reminds me of this Niners team. I was thinking about that uh, earlier when I was drafting my notes. I I didn't include it in here, but young quarterback, really exciting offense, a lot of dynamic players. Uh, Defensively, they have some skilled guys as well. Um, You've got the offensive genius head coach, McVay, Shanahan. I I don't think it's an an exact parallel, but (laughs) there's a little something there, I feel like.
3: I think I see the similarities, um, you know, when I look at this 49ers team and how it was assembled, you know, it, it wasn't assembled overnight and they, right. they've, you know, when I look at this particular 2023 team, I mean, they've weathered pretty, they've weathered several storms, right? And so I look at the 2019 team, which is when they got a couple of their superstar studded pieces in the draft. And you got Debo Samuel in the second round. You got Nick Bosa in the first round. They were rookies in that first Super Bowl appearance against the Kansas City Chiefs and in, in that 2019 season. And so like it's crazy because now they're matured. They're vet they're, they're labeled as veterans. And it's gonna be cool to see how they go out there and respond a little bit differently as veterans, opposed to being rookies and just wanting the ball and, and trying to make a play and do this. It's going to be cool to see those two guys in particular, as well as George Kittle, because George Kittle was on that team. Fred Warren was on that team. Uh, And, you know, they were they were two years ahead of those guys. But it's going to be cool to see how well they're going to be able to weather like whatever type of, you know, adversity steps up to them in this Super Bowl. It's good to have key savvy vets on the team that's kind of been there. No, they didn't win. And they're going to be playing against, uh, I feel like, one of the best teams that we've seen as far as their franchise. You know, Kansas City is just doing their thing right now. I don't think they were like the best team this year, but it's not about the regular season. And I think that's where a lot of people get things misconstrued. Now, you can go, you can go. I don't, I, I'm, listen, my son is a Patriots fan. So I would never take shots at the Patriots. Plus, Tom Brady's like one of my favorite players of all time. He went to Michigan. I'm a Michigan fan. So, like, I, I go back to that. But, remember that Patriots team that won like every game that year as the Randy Moss year and yeah. then they just they, they played the Giants in 2007 and it was just it was a it was oh, a, trust me I remember it I know and I'm sorry but it was just a wave of defense it was like yeah you can get through this way but then they had these young guys coming off the bench fresh and they were just they were just getting pressure on Brady and even though even though I felt like even though the Giants defense did look good it's not like it was a blowout it took a uh a miracle for them to even win that game, right? And took a it took a catch on David Tyree's head that Rodney Harrison somehow couldn't knock out of his hand for it to be a win. And so um, I'm I, I said that to say that you know the best teams don't always find ways to win, and so the better teams figure out how to win, and and that's what the Giants did in that particular game. That's what the Chiefs did in 2019. They were kind of went, what the Chiefs are doing right now. And that's exactly what they're doing right now. So this is going to be a great game, bro. Great game. You
0: mentioned uh, George Kittle earlier as well. Paul, my co-host, he, he's, he can't be here, unfortunately. He's he's working a full-time job as well as doing this podcast. So he's at work currently. He wanted to be here. But right. he wanted to, to make sure that I made sure to ask you. Okay. George Kittle versus Travis Kelsey. If you had to just take one or the other, put your Niners loyalties aside. Paul is heavily on this Kittle side. He believes Kittle is really the best tight end in football. He does okay. so many things uh, that don't really appear on the stat sheet. You know, he's a great blocker. He reminds me of Gronk in a lot of those ways where he's dynamic, both in in the, in the run game, but also in the pass game, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Him head-to-head versus Kelsey, which one would you rather have in your offense?
3: It's it's tough because I feel like these are the two best tight ends in football, hands down. And and I I love what Kittle does. I love what Kelsey does. I just want to put out there, like I know Kelsey is labeled a tight end, but he's literally a wide receiver in a tight end body. Like yeah. the dude can run routes better than wide receivers in the NFL. So it's really preference, right? And so for me, I'm an all purpose guy. I, I like to use all purpose players. I cook with all purpose flour. I just I'm just all purpose. And so I look at George Kittle. If I needed to use him in the in, in the receiving game, I can get George Kittle activated, going across the middle. I can get him screens. I can get him. He can still be dominant. But it's what he can do in the run game that Travis Kelsey can't do. And the one of the reasons why I did love like Rob Gronkowski at the time it wasn't the fact because every time you threw the ball, it was a mismatch nightmare. No one paid attention to what he did on the screenplays and the run game. Like, they were cracking. And I feel like that's the model George Kittle kind of, like, followed as he entered the NFL. Like, he followed that Gronk. And, he didn't, and, and that's old school tight end stuff too, right? Like, that that's what tight ends do. They're like an extension of the offensive line that can catch. And so I would have to go with Kittle with all biases aside. It would be Kittle for me because he's just overall a complete tight end. And even
0: including the run game aspect of things, you just go to the Kelsey side of it where he is a receiving tight end. That's his bread and butter. Kittle led the NFL tight ends and receiving yards this year and not his third 1000 yard receiving, receiving season of his career. And since Kittle has come into the league, Kelsey's the only guy with more receiving yards than him as a tight end. So they are literally neck and neck there. And then you add Kittle's uh, blocking ability. You mentioned his effectiveness Catching screens as well, which is something I think the Niners are going to have to use a lot of in this game against the Chiefs, especially if Kansas City is stacking the box, trying to stop the run like you would think they're going to be
3: trying to do, right? Yeah, man. They, they, look, Kansas City's number one objective is, isn't Brock Purdy. Their number one objective is to take away the run. And how do you force Brock Purdy or put pressure on Brock Purdy? Not necessarily with like blitzing and things, but like literally put the pressure of the game on him, the weight on his shoulders. You stack the box. And so that's what teams are going to do. Uh th- The good thing is I've watched teams stack the box this year, and I've watched the 49ers figure it out. Whereas in prior seasons, I watched teams stack the box. And I don't want to take a shot at former 49er quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, but he just wasn't in – he wasn't a box beater. He couldn't figure it out. He couldn't – like, okay, they're putting eight people in the box. We got to check out of this run. I got to get a quick throw going. Jimmy just didn't have – that ability to do so. Jimmy literally was a play action, drop back quarterback. He can make some quick throws if they were slants. But when you're talking about getting those screen throws out there and things like that, that's where Brock Purdy like supersedes, I think, or, or excels in front of uh Jimmy Garoppolo. Like that's those are kind of like his bread and butters. And when you look at who Brock Purdy is, I believe he's the either the first or second quarterback. Ranking against the blitz, which I do know, Kansas City is going to do. Especially my man on first down, they're going to try to shake, shake, shake. So I I can see the Niners may come out in certain type of personnel. Like, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping we get a lot of, a lot of. It's going to be a lot of 21 personnel. But I'm, I'm really excited if the Niners can go with that 22 personnel package. You know, the two running backs, the two tight ends, right? And then you load that left side and you could do two things out of that. And the reason why I like that is because you can boot to the right if you decide not to run it or you just run it to the left and get to the outside zone, which Kansas City is ranked 31st in uh, and defending the outside zone run. So you could run on this team, whether they stack the box or not. I wouldn't necessarily go right up the middle, but you can get to the outsides and and find ways to be effective on the run game. That's the Niners. It's got to be their game plan. You
0: mentioned a lot of things there. I really like, Uh, but uh, first of all, Brock Purdy against the blitz. He is number one in the league among 25 NFL quarterbacks who have faced 100 blitz plays this season. Purdy ranks first in EPA per pass play and success rate Um, 22 personnel for the Niners. The chiefs run more dime than any other defense in the league, I think there were, I think they were um, they were third. They they had the third most dime dime looks in the league this year. I think there were a couple other teams
3: ahead of them. Uh, but I think you might you might need to break that down because dime is with a, with another DB. It's an extra, defensive back. extra yeah. defensive back. And so that means they're gonna be lighting the ass. I hope I can say that. But that that that's what I like because that that to me not to cut you off, I want you to finish. That works in the Niners' favor because the Niners are literally bullies on the football field. Like, they, their receivers are super physical. If you're going to bring another light guy now, they might go big dime. They, they might go, or not big dime, but have a big nickel out there so they got a bigger DB to try to, like, take that away. But now we're, we're talking two tight ends and 12 personnel that can catch the ball. We're talking Charlie Warner. We're talking George Kittle. And then you still have your two running backs out there, whether it's Kyle Juszczyk, which you can flex out, or Christian McCaffrey. And I would went- Mind in a in a 22 personnel, I wouldn't mind an empty set. I'm not a fan of empty sets because then the defense know you're passing. But they don't know what type of pass play you're going to do when you have that type of personnel out there. I'm sorry, Pete, go ahead and finish. My bad. I no, ex- no,
0: you're you're totally good. You're totally good. Um, we've got a good back and forth going right now. I- I'm with it. Um, yeah, but but finding a way to either get them out of that dime look or exploit it is going to be huge because you know that kansas city is going to try to find ways to incorporate that into their defense to play off of it um, especially i think if at some point the niners get into a rhythm of a lot of pass plays where they're splitting Hughes check out a lot something like that we saw that a good bit against the lions and i don't think it's a mistake that they were that shanahan was trying to get him involved in that game because we saw it in the first super bowl matchup between these two teams Hughes check scored a touchdown he nearly missed a second touchdown he was stopped right there at the goal line so yeah. i i am really interested to see offensively how shanahan puts those guys into positions to succeed I agree. um and i'm interested to see how uh spags not just um uses potentially a, a, he's he's amazing he's been so awesome this year
3: yes. <laughs> he doesn't um, get enough credit like some defensive coordinators, to, in my opinion, in the NFL. And he's one of the greatest defensive minds probably of all time. And you think Bill Belichick, and 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 then you got to think of, of, of Spags because Spags gets it done. His players play with energy. They go out there. He's not afraid to blitz. Uh, and he just knows how to get the right players to work in his system. I, and I, him being in the NFL for numerous amounts of years, I think that's what gives him that that upper echelon tier for his defensive coordinator. He's going to be tough. Defend. i'm not even gonna front he's gonna be tough
0: he throws blitzes in really interesting way really interesting ways as well he disguises blitzes really well uh disguises coverages a lot of times he'll try to lull you to sleep early in the game with a lot of like too high looks and then as the game progresses he'll switch it up and and do something entirely different in the second half Mm -hmm. um i (laughs) shanahan actually has a winning record all time against spags
3: Uh, As a head coach or
0: defense coordinator. Five and three, baby. Five and three.
3: Oh, and three in the last three. It is. It is. But the the personnel for Kyle is a little different. And I think the key uh, that I feel like the national media, like, I feel like they're just missing it. And that's okay. Because that's why we're here. We're like, we're we're still media. Um, We might not have the national credentials or whatever like that. But this is where they're missing are they missing the key factor of Brock Purdy being the trust that him that Kyle has for Brock Purdy? I feel like that's what we're missing. And that needs to be exploited and talked about. Kyle Shanahan when he trusts his quarterback, it's a totally different mindset because now you don't see Kyle being super conservative because he knows what I plan in my playbook. And what I have dialed up will work if everything goes according to plan. But this is real life. Everything's not going to go according to plan. And what he has in a guy like Brock Purdy is a guy that I like to call, he can be an extension to the plan. He can find a way to make the play. So when Kyle was asked at the uh, opening night about Brock Purdy being a game manager, he's like, yeah, like, aren't all quarterbacks game managers? And I'm like, yeah, they are. Yeah, But, But the best ones are the ones that can adapt to their environment and find a way to make a play when stuff don't go according to plan. That's where you're Patrick Mahomes, you're Tom Brady's. You know, I, I don't even think Peyton Manning, even though he's a great quarterback, I don't think he was great at the ad living but Peyton was so smart. He just knew you couldn't you couldn't fool him. He just knew defense. You couldn't disguise it. He just knew, and 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 he was great. He had the greatest mind. But sometimes to me, the, the greatest quarterbacks are the ones that can figure it out like right there on the fly. And I think that's the difference we're seeing in a guy like Brock Purdy, because that who that's who Patrick Mahomes was. Everybody thinks Patrick Mahomes is a drop back quarterback. Nah, I actually think he's not as good as a drop back quarterback. I think Brock. I mean, think Patrick Mahomes is actually better. The play breakdown and it's just him and and, and his innate ability to play football and he gets a guy with a one-on-one winning a matchup and that throw be accurate as heck. Like that's, and that's who he is. He is a playmaker.
0: He and Kelsey are so good at playing that sort of like
3: backyard
0: style of football where when things break down, they just switch up on the fly. They're on the same page. Um, Even with, uh, I think even on that route the uh, um the big third down play that Kelsey had against the Ravens, where he dove and made that crazy catch, that wasn't the route he was supposed to run on that play. He he went the total opposite direction, actually, and Mahomes just found him. And uh, that,
3: how do you defend that? I'm asking you because you're a great mind. How do you defend that?
0: So it's tough. I think that the Chiefs can throw a lot of bodies at him. I, I think that more likely than not. You will see Lajarius Sneed try to lock down Rasheed Rice. I think you're going to see some kind of mix between a zone man look, where maybe you have a shell on one side, where you where you, where you have Sneed on Rice, and then you bring in a guy like McDuffie to try to uh, break down Kelsey. Maybe you bring in uh, a little bit of your linebackers too, chipping him at the line of scrimmage if he's if he's playing inside. If he's splitting outside, you still want to try to get hands on him early, that sort of thing, just to disrupt his rhythm. But he's so physical. It's more like you have to find a way to manage the big plays. Like I was saying this going into the playoffs, the key with Kelsey, he's going to get his five, six catches no matter what. The key is limiting the key third down catch, the big play in the red zone. that's what I said the Chiefs needed from him to to be great this postseason. It's what I saw from Gronk late in his career where he didn't quite have the same legs. He wasn't going to have a fantastic season start to finish, but come playoff time, he was going to be ready. He was going to make those big catches down the stretch, which were going to put you in positions to win those big games.
3: Yeah, see, defending Kelsey, taking Kelsey out of the game plan is almost impossible hmm. because he's not necessarily. How do I say it? He's he, he's not like he's not like a wide receiver where you can kind of bracket and 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 play somebody over the top and have a guy kind of play man with him. It's a different, he's a different, he has a different mindset. And I think the thing that's hard when it comes to Travis Kelsey is because him and Patrick Mahomes are in sync. Like that's what makes him almost undefendable. Like yeah. it's going to be tough. So like you said, when the play breaks down, that's his go-to. It and, and, and it used to be Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And now it's literally just Travis Kelsey. Uh, that's going to be that go-to guy because he trusts that guy to find a way to get open, and they just be on the same page. I think that you can't defend that. I I think you live with what happens, and you prevent the explosive plays from downfield. So if Travis – limit his explosive play. I don't care if he gets six yards, nine yards, three yards. Limit anything, like, over 10. Don't let him get 10 yards, 11 yards, 15 yards. And for me, as a Niners guy, the one – area that they struggle in is defending the gosh darn tight end I'm tired of seeing tight ends good ones right find ways to take advantage of the defense and that to me is going to be something that I think in my opinion with the rookie DB out there in Jair Brown that Patrick Mahomes is going to try to exploit so the Niners got to tighten up button up and make sure that they limit Kelsey from getting explosive plays. Make sure when he catches the ball, you wrap and tackle. You can't miss the tackle on him because now you took a six-yard play and it's going to be a 16-yard-plus play, and that's the issue. And if the Niners can figure that out, they can limit him, keep him out of the end zone. I want all the touchdowns. If it's going to go to a tight end, it better be Noah Gray, Blake Bell, somebody else other than Travis Kelsey. When you mentioned things that the Niners struggle stopping defensively,
0: I was very surprised you didn't mention the running game that's been their big weakness especially in the playoffs they've, they've given up over 5 yards to carry i think 5.6 yards per carry in the playoffs the league worst in the nfl this year was five flat by the yeah. broncos
3: and and the reason why i didn't mention the run game is because i'm i'm confident that they'll button up and get it together um when i look at uh what these teams tried to do i mean aaron jones fresh and healthy was a different type of back that they haven't seen you know what I'm saying pretty much all season. He was in he was an inside outside guy. They mainly used him outside. That's where the Niners struggled because they couldn't contain and by the time that those guy basically the Niners issue on defense when it comes to the run is up front and for some reason the offensive line is getting great push on those guys. And then they're getting back into the linebackers, which are getting taken out of the play. And so now you need your safeties and your cornerbacks to be that last line of defense to to make the tackle. And by then your running back has momentum. In the Lions game, man, that was a dope dual threat. They they went inside, they went outside of uh, the move that. Uh, uh, J- uh Jamir Gibbs put on Jair Brown was crazy, and I know I'm picking on Jair Brown, but he's the rookie, and that's who's going to get picked on, right? Like they're going to find a way to take advantage of that. It's not a, sh- a stray at him or anything. He just has to strap up the big boy pants. It's Super Bowl time now, uh, and so they went inside and outside. But then, it, you know, you talked about the first half, but if you look at the second half of both games, the Niners figured it out, and and the only th- and, and and when I go back to the Green Bay game. I mean, come on. He had 40-something yards. He had one play. It was one play. And I know that's all it takes. One play, I know. But the Niners got to be better at limiting those explosive plays. If you take away that 51-plus-yard run – it's a totally different ball game for Aaron Jones. They're keeping him, uh, you know, down under the 100-yard mark. And, and it's just different. Now, when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, they are physical. They have a good offensive line when it comes to running that ball. And Isaiah Pacheco may be the angriest runner in football. Like, he may just be, and I didn't say best. I said angriest. And the Niners just got to keep him under 100 yards. And I And, and I feel like. I feel like Kansas City will go away from the run if it's not working, and they will go to pass. Like, And that's what they've been doing. They did that against the Ravens. No one's giving the—I know the Ravens got beat, right? But no one's giving the Ravens credit for shutting them out in the second half because they lost the game. Now, that game could have went a whole totally different way had uh, Zay Flowers caught the touchdown, had Lamar Jackson not thrown the end zone. He did catch the touchdown, but he fumbled in the end zone, and had La- Lamar Jackson not thrown the interception in the end zone. That, it would have been a totally different outcome, and their defense is what kept them in the game. I think the Niners' defense knows what who they are. They know what their identity is, and I I just feel like they're going to fix the run. Um, Eric Armstead is, is probably... Back to football shape. Uh, I know a lot of people, he was missing the majority of the second half of the season. And then when he came back, you know how it is. You got to get into football, football shape. Not just regular shape, but football, football shape. I think they'll be fine. As long as they contain the edges, keep Isaiah Pacheco going up. He's not that type of explosive runner that's going to get you, you know, unless you miss the tackles. So I'm more, I'm more, if they make the tackles, they'll be just fine. They just got to make tackles. That's what happened in them games. They miss tackles. Well, I don't think Kansas city is going to stray from the run game
0: at all. Even if, I, mean, I, hope if I hope they do too. Cause I mean, if you look at it, the two games since um, the two games that they've lost since like November, was the game against the Raiders where Pacheco left with a concussion and the game against the Bills where he couldn't play. Um, He's averaging 20-ish touches since since November as well, and they're not necessarily relying on him to have like 100-plus yard games. Sometimes it's just 50, 60 yards and 15 to 18 carries. Anything just to switch up the rhythm and give Mahomes like four or five yards extra to work with. And it's sometimes it's situational, but every once in a while he can break these big plays. I think you'll see a lot of uh toss plays to the outside with with Pacheco. They don't really do a lot of um like reverse tosses with him, they do a lot of like front side tosses where he's they toss to the side that Pacheco is on of Mahomes. They'll just do a quick little pitch out and he'll sort of sprint out to that side. Um he is he's a huge key for this game. Really the run game is on on both sides but with you guys giving up five rushing touchdowns in the last two games where, where you had 10 in the regular season the, you, you have to fix that in this game I, I feel like if Pacheco is able to have a big game say have I don't know 70 80 yards it's going to make it that much more difficult to stop this Chiefs offense that is led by none other than of course Patrick Mahomes
3: no and, and I agree with that. I, and and to me I just feel like that if he gets 70 to 80 yards like over time, like that's football. Like I am kind of okay with that. Like they help they they hold they held them under 100 rushing yards. Hold the Chiefs under 100 rushing yards, Niners will win this game. Okay? Now, look. If they give up 70 80 yards on some explosive plays and it's like three plays, now I'm a little nervous. And so that take that's the key. They got to find a way to limit whatever explosive plays, it's not easy just to take away the run, but they really got to focus on taking away the run and just let Patrick Mahomes be the one that has to win this game. I think the Niners' defense is going to be fired up uh, and they're going to be fine. And so that's why I didn't didn't necessarily mention that. They got to find a way to stop those plays where he's going to get the ball out quick. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be a quick throw game for him. He's going to move that ball quick. It's going to be some screens, depending on the looks that the Niners defense throw him. And he's going to, you know, be accurate. Now, can his guys reel the balls in because they're going to be coming out quick? That's something to be determined. I think the Niners need to prepare for uh, the uh, Jarek McKinnon because I believe he's going to be playing. And, you know, he wants the Niners, period. Like, why? Because he played for the Niners and it didn't work out with him. For the Niners, he stayed injured. And so this is going to be a game where he's coming off the IR. He's going to be fresh. They got a fresh running back back there that can spell, that can catch out of the backfield. So there's going to be some screens and the Niners are going to have to be disciplined, play those lanes, contain those edges, and wrap and tackle. I will say that to the day that I'm I'm gone. They have to wrap and tackle. It's fundamental. Fundamentals are are always key. Um, something I noticed
0: about that Lions game that we sort of briefly mentioned was for the most part the Niners run a zone defense of of some kind you guys typically like to run some version of cover three but late in that game when you started getting all those stops defensively there there was a lot of man involved a lot of man
3: involved because the Niners were trying to figure out ways to speed up Jared Goff and create pressure um and so they were trying to generate pressure and just create his, speed up his process when it came to making the reads uh and so like i don't know if this is the game you want to you want to go man 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 but they have to find a way to inco- if the zone isn't working cuz i i Patrick Mahomes is if you don't keep Patrick Mahomes in the pocket and you let him get outside the pocket he's going to pick the zone apart and you're going to have to at some point Find a way to generate types of pressure, because we only rush. We we are a four rush team, right? We're rushing four guys, the the majority of the game, um, and that's who we are. That's that's the identity of this defense. So there's not a lot of blitzing. Uh, And so I would like to see some things to kind of trick Patrick Mahomes. I would like to see some man coverages, man. I trust, trust Mooney Ward, trust De'Amador Lenore, trust Ambry, like trust these guys that you got out there on a player or two. Because when you look at their receivers, I'm not saying that they're weak or anything, because Rasheed Rice is probably the best rookie wide receiver. Him, Puka Nakua, probably top one and top two. Uh, And there's a bunch of them because there's the kid from Green Bay that I thought balled out, uh, Jaden Reed. There's a bunch of them. Um, but Rashid Rice Reed podcast here. Big oh Jayden my Reed friendly gosh, podcast. man. Love Jaden Reed, bro. When I was at the senior bowl, it's like, this kid about to tear the league up him and tank Dell and tank Dell was tearing the league up until he got injured because they put him on a goal line play to block. And I'm like, dude, like five pounds. Why would you put him on a goal line? Anyway. Um, were you at the senior bowl this year? I was there this year as well. Give me 30 seconds on Spencer Rattler. Okay. I, I'm going to be honest. You can break my heart if you have to. It's okay. No, no, no. I, I'm not going to break your heart. I'm going to be honest. My focus wasn't on him because guys started to woo me day two. Right. And so then I shift my focus to – I, I should have been focusing on offensive line and I messed up. And I'm not messed up, but I got wooed by the defensive line. It's something about defensive pressure. too from UCLA. He was – listen, when I interviewed him, I was like, yo, you are – like you were, you were a monster on the football field. I, to, and him, and no one's talking about this kid from Florida State, and I love it. I'm hoping he goes under the radar. His name is Braden Fisk. When you get a chance, watch him. If you are, if you're a 49er fan, the reason why I think I like him so much is his get off. And there's a specific coach that coaches the defensive line named Chris Colcerik, who is his. Favorite attribute from a defensive player is their get off. When you look at Braden Fisk on film, and I have footage from the senior bowls at the practices. So I was like, how, how, how is he timing this snap? There's no way he's time. He literally timed every snap and beat every snap without jumping off sides. It was scary. And I was like, you can't teach that. That's a gift. And I talked to him and I was like, dude, real quick, like, how how, how, how did you do that? He was like, listen, when you're not physically the best at this position and you don't have these certain, you know, attributes that people are looking for, you know, the measurables, you know what I'm saying? The height, the weight, the blah, 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 blah. You know, you kind of like a tweener or whatever, whether it comes inside or outside. When you're that type of guy, it's like you got to find your niche. and. That's just something that I told to perfect. So talking to those kids was cool. Luke McCaffrey was cool. Uh, Brendan Rice was cool. But I didn't get I, I didn't I didn't get a chance to to really own in on your guy. I'm sorry.
0: It's all good. It's all good. Uh, watch out for Xavier Leggett though. He he could be a future Forty Nine er. That would be pretty sweet.
3: That would be pretty sweet. That would right. be pretty sweet.
0: A couple of Gamecocks in that backfield. We haven't even um, talked about the other side of the ball. The, the Chiefs' offense gets all the acclaim and everything, but their defense has been. Lights out. Lights out. Either the best or second best team in the league, depending on whether or not you talk to Ravens fans, Lights essentially. Out. Yeah. Uh, and they've faced three dynamic speak? offenses already this, this year. Dolphins, Bills, Ravens. Go what ahead.
3: No, I was going to say, can you say that Like, when you beat the best, you become the best, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so, so the Chiefs have the best defense, especially right now. Uh, and you know where it starts? It, it, it starts up front. When you got a guy like Chris Jones – and you got George out there on the edge and, and some of those guys, they might not be like, like the, the edge rushers might not be like the superstar names or they might not have the superstar linebackers. Remember we were talking about Steve Spags earlier? Yeah. He has the right pieces. And those pieces are working like in sync. And I think that's what makes their defense scary because I didn't even get to their secondary. And so like, I, as a Niner fan and I'm watching this game, I'm like, yo, they got the best secondary in the Super Bowl. Like it's it's not even close, and I love our secondary, right? And so like their secondary, good if, if they can man up if they're playing in zone. That's where you can kind of try to like find a way to pick them apart. But when you're looking at LeGarius Need and McDuffie, like these these dudes don't give up touchdowns. And so like how do you beat them? And, and 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 I think from from my perspective when I'm talking about the Niners offensively, I think you beat them with physicality. I think you force those guys into playing your brash uh, of football, your brass of football, right? Which is the Niners are physical. The receivers like contact. And so I'm not saying you're going to draw flags or anything like that, but, you know, Debo should have a big game because this is a guy where you're probably going to see, like, if I'm, I'm curious to know if you know this because if, if McDuffie goes to the slot, which he does, he's very good at it, who's the other outside corner and then who would cover Debo if we bring three wideouts out there.
0: That's going to be tough. I mean, it depends on what package they have on the field. If they have that look with like Leo Chenal out there as another safety, you could maybe see him drop down a little bit. Uh, otherwise you could possibly see uh, another guy like Joshua Williams in there as well. Uh, Justin Reed could maybe drop down, get into
3: coverage like that. But Debo is such a quick guy. I'm not sure that, so now you, you, so that's I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a coach, but yeah. I, I, like as a if I'm game planning, you know. And now we're talking coming out there in eleven personnel, right? So now you're coming out there with three wideouts and Debo's on the field. So the question is, like, what packages are they're going to be in? They should be in their nickel package, and so like how. Um, are they going to or if they're in a dime, they have one to have an extra DB out there, that's up to them. Drew but Tranquil's probably Drew Tranquil. That was the okay, okay. And so like that that's what the that's what they're gonna have to figure out because if I'm Brock Purdy, I'm not forcing it to Debo, but if it's a quick throw and I could get the ball to Debo, it's Debo and then Debo enforce your will on whoever is in front of you. And that I think is what the Niners are gonna do offensively to negate that great defensive backfield? Because I just gave them the props. And I'm telling you, their defensive backfield is, it's not scary, but it is tough. Them, them corners, them safeties, they can hit, they can tackle. They're good. They're good. But have they played a brass of physical wide receivers like the 49ers? And remember, like Brandon Ayuk finally coming of age. He's, you know, either in an regular season game, it's 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 it is what it is. They haven't really really faced him. Debo Samuel, this is a revenge. Like like these guys are playing with different chips on their shoulder, man. And so like, I don't think there's a, a there's a DB, you know, man to man. If you're going down the field, that's different. But that's not what Debo does. But I don't think there's a DB that's going to be able to cover Debo in stride when it comes to those quick throws. And if you have if you flex George Kittle now, now George Kittle's out there because that's another weapon. Who's going to cover George Kittle? It, it, Justin Reed, like, what's say Like, who are you going to put? Don't put a linebacker on him. You, and that's what the Niners want to do. They want to get the mismatch. They get the mismatch. They're going to try to take advantage. Now Brock just has to have the time to get the ball out, and that's another story because we were talking about their defensive front, right? And so Chris Jones, um, he's a mammoth of a, of a of a man out there. They are I'm, missing O'Menihu in this game. They are missing O'Menihu, who was a former Forty Nine er, and he was pissed too, by the way. Uh, you know, he has the ACL injury. Uh, but that's going to help the Niners, I think. I I, I mean, they're going to be missing a key piece um, out there on their from their defensive edge who could play inside and outside. And Charles O'Minahue, great guy. Um, unfortunately, you know, we'll be praying for him. Speedy recovery, all that good stuff. But the Niners, I, I, if, if it's me, I'm running at... I know this is crazy. I'm running at Chris Jones and I'm throwing away from Chris Jones. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but... Chris Jones probably got the best damn hands as a defensive lineman in the NFL. I don't know how he gets his hands up. He just gets them up.
0: I was trying to figure out ways that maybe the chiefs defense could exploit the Niners offense. And and when, when I really broke it down, it looks like the right side of, The the Niners line is the weak link, yeah. the weak link, yeah. But you've got a guy like George Kittle who you can put on that side of the line as a tight end and have him chip and then maybe release into the flat or just over the middle, whatever. That strategy was used a lot against Aiden Hutchinson, who had zero sacks after he'd been tearing it up the four games before that. He had eight sacks in his previous four games, zero sacks. Got pancaked by
3: George Kittle as well. Got pancaked.
0: I remember that highlight. That was epic. That was epic.
3: It was epic that they... They laughed about it. I think that's what even made it even more fun. Like, oh, shoot, I just got pancaked by George Kittle. Okay, like, all right. They're cool about it. But um, you're right. You got to exploit the right side. It's the weak link of the 49ers. So I'm curious to see how the 49ers come out, um, you know, with their offensive line. Because they've had a key piece that I think may have been the reason why they went with this free agent in in, uh, John Feliciano. He's had plenty of experience playing against the Kansas City Chiefs throughout his career, and he's been pretty successful against their defensive front when it comes to uh, Steve Spaggs and his defense. So I'm curious to see if I'm the 49ers and I'm Chris Forrester and I'm putting on my offensive line, it's tough because do I want Feliciano in there at the right guard to be? Yes, I, I think you do that. And I love Spencer Burford, uh, but he's had an up-and-down, weird type of a season season. Uh you have the rock. You gotta rock with Jake Brindle. I mean, um, Colton McKivich. You gotta rock with Colton McKivitch and just chip flash tight end, motion the tight end to the right side, let him do what he does. Now, the question is, will the Chiefs try to get, you know, a little uh uh you know adventurous out there as far as am I gonna put Chris Jones on the on the outside? Do I line yeah. him up on the inside? And so that is where That's your what problem. I was thinking. Yeah. And so if I if I can't, man, I don't want Chris Jones going up against uh anybody on the right side. But that's what's gonna happen. And the Niners got to figure out a way to counter it and figure out a way to take that away because that's what they're gonna do. And I think the more you hit him, the more energy you take away from him, the less effective he would be at some point in the game. I, I don't think this game is a game where you try to blow this team out. No, you you, you wanna wear this team out. It's a big difference, and then when that moment comes. You take the game.
0: I don't think it's going to be a blowout either way. It's This is going to be a close game. This is going to be a close game for sure. Um, let's do some rapid fire real quick. Okay. So, um, is this a must-win game for Kyle Shanahan? Must win. Must win.
3: 100, 100%. 100%. Listen, been to the Super Bowls uh, uh, as an offensive coordinator. Couldn't find a way to get that win. Been to the Super Bowl with the 49ers. Had the lead, up by 10, seven minutes to go, lose the game, back now. Team is built, must win.
0: This is Shanahan's uh, best chance at a ring so far, I think. This is also the fourth rematch between head coaches in NFL history. The coach who won the first matchup has won the second matchup, each of the three previous instances of this situation. Those guys were Chuck Knoll, Jimmy Johnson, and Tom Coughlin against my New England Patriots. I'm still upset about it. Um, <laughs> uh, yes or no. Debo
3: Samuel is the offensive X factor in this, in this football game. 100%. 100%. It's who he has been. And and we've seen the 49ers offense without Debo. And it, it, it when Debo gets hurt in a game and he's removed, the offense is done. I don't know why. It just, it, it's just He's the X factor. And the reason why is because now the defense has to figure it out, right? The defense has to say, okay, is he running? Is he passing? What is he doing? And and you leave that on the football field. Now, when you have him and Christian McCaffrey out on the football field, instead of guessing for two, now they're guessing – four different options that can happen with those two guys out there. So Debo will always be the X factor, Uh, just his ability to be able to take a one-yard catch or a catch behind the line of scrimmage and take it to the house. And so that's the guy. That's the guy. And I don't think that they try to stop that. Remember I said don't try to stop Travis Kelsey on the opposite side? You just got to live what Debo does. Chiefs better come out there and find a way to take away the run. The Niners better come out there and take away Isaiah Pacheco. Put these games, let these quarterbacks play football, man. Have, Have them go out there and do their thing.
0: I remember the first Super Bowl between these two teams, how explosive Debo was in that game. Three carries, 53 yards, five catches,
3: 39 yards. (laughs) And they didn't give him the ball in the second half. No. And I couldn't figure it out. They were stopping the run. I know we had Raheem Mostert. They were selling out to stop the run, and we, we stopped going to Debo. That's why I said he's the. That's another reason why I feel like he's the X factor. That won't happen again. I don't know if you got a chance to hear some of the Forty Nine er media that was out there. uh, I think last night, uh, uh, yesterday, excuse me. uh, Owner Jed York was on uh, the Up and Adams show, and you know he he told the story about what what happened with Debo in the Detroit Lions game when we were down by seventeen at the half. And Debo, he said Debo was shaking, and he was like, "Yo, you need to tell Kyler, give me the give me the damn ball, like give me the ball, just give me the ball." (laughs) <laughs> and they gave him the ball, and the, the the tie just shifted, right? And so that's why he's always going to be the X factor. Uh, this year, among NFL receivers, Debo finished
0: first in yards after the catch per reception, first in yards after contact, and first in missed tackles forced. Look for a lot of jet sweeps, uh, reverses, uh, quick little drag routes over the middle screens, anything to get the ball in Debo's hands in space. Uh, next question cause for concern for George Kittle and Eric Armstead still being listed on the injury report as of today, any, I mean, I, any, any concern or no?
3: No, I don't want the faithful or anybody out there. That's, you know, you know, want the, you know, thinking about the Niners, don't, don't be concerned about these. Look, these are, these are just a little bit of formalities that they're going through. You knew that Eric Armstead has been dealing with the injury uh, as far as his, uh, his foot. And then you got uh, George Kittle with the toe. Listen, it, these guys are playing in this game you know, missing feet, missing toes, they're going to be suited up and ready to go in Super Bowl 58. So no concerns for me whatsoever.
0: In terms of uh, the Chief side of things, what's the biggest matchup on their end that scares you, offense
3: or defense? I, I mean, I think, I think their best defensive player is going, is Chris Jones. And you got to find a way to negate his ability uh, not necessarily to get the pressure. See, I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever said this before. When I look at Chris Jones, and I and I and 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 I say he's he's been in the league for a little bit, but his his evolution, like what makes him so great, is his ability to be patient. And I don't think people were paying attention to that. I know I have, because in that Super Bowl that you just mentioned in 2019, he had not one, but two tip passes in the fourth quarter, which would have been wide open passes to George Kittle. And so when I say to myself, wait a minute, this dude is a a monster in pressure. He can stop to run, but he knows how, he has the ability to read the quick pass game where he backs up off the pressure, stays at the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the line, and gets his hands up. Man, you can't teach that. And so, like, if is he better than a guy like Aaron Donald who the Niners seem to figure out every time they play Aaron Donald, they figure him out? I don't know. It's preference again. Like, they both are forces up and far as pressure. But I think Chris Jones does some things a little bit different than Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald may be more, more violent with his hands and things like that. But Chris Jones get them hands in the air. Next thing you know, on, on, a, on a wide open pass, it gets tipped. It could be an interception or it gets knocked down. And now you're going second and long opposed to, you know, a completed pass. So, Chris Jones is the guy you got to figure out. That's why I said, I'd run at him, but I I throw away from his side. I certainly don't blame you there.
0: Um, he actually reminds me of uh oh man, this is killing me. I can't remember his name. I'm trying to I'm trying to look it up now. Um, which team?
3: Uh Alden Smith. It Alden- reminds me of Alden Smith, different body, but just the arms. It's the wingspan, yeah. man. Yeah. These are the measurables that you look for when you're scouting. Dude, how how long's how how long? And that's what, you know, on from the 49ers side, you know, look at you look at a wide receiver like Brandon Ayuk. When the wise is he's he's a problem, it's because he's built like, you know, I don't use use the word loosely, but freak his wingspan is ridiculous. So he might not be the tallest wide receiver, but the fact that he has he can go up and grab. Certain types of passes. It's those little bit of measurables that you look for when you're scouting, especially when the the combine is coming up. I know you're into that. Watch those measurables. And that's why a lot of people, especially the national heads, the talking heads, are so down on a guy like Brock Purdy. He has zero of those measurables, right? Small hands, not no athleticism, but you can't measure will. And I think that's that's the
0: difference. Chris Jones this year had the best approximate value season of
3: his career at 18. Um, think, hey, oh, this was a contract year too. I forgot. Like yeah. signed up for <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He be back. He's, gonna He's gonna go somewhere else. <laughs>
0: they're gonna do it all over again this offseason.
3: All over again. This is funny. <laughs> uh
0: other keys to the game. Um, Juwan Taylor, 24 penalties in 20 games. Nick Bosa commented on the Chiefs offensive tackles, he said, quote unquote, they hold a lot um,
3: on every play.
0: <laughs> how big of a difference do you think that will be in the game?
3: Yeah, man. Like, I... do you think
0: Bosa has uh, two sacks? Nope. No,
3: no, I don't. Um, it's got to be somebody else. And it's funny, right? Because Bosa's a superstar. So you would think he'll get calls. I I honestly think Vinovich is going to, to screw with the San Francisco 49ers. Here's my take. Owner Jed York talked about it as well. Super Bowl week. Them holding. And I just felt like the Niners should have just not said anything and just went out there and let what happened happen. Now, I guarantee you the refs... And the officiating crew heard these comments. And they're probably, oh, they're trying to put us on blast? Okay, cool. And they're just going to do things a little bit de- Because the last time we played them, P, the last time we played this team... The Kansas City offensive line was the number one holding team in the NFL. They had the most penalties in the NFL. They didn't get one holding call in that game.
0: And we saw what the NFL did with the refs
3: with that uh, conference championship game, too, switching those guys around. Come on, bro. I'm just saying that's why a lot of the 49ers faithful are a little nervous because they're more worried about the crew. I gotcha. I when, get it you. Comes, when it comes to Nick Bosa, just keep playing your game. They're going to hold you on every play, Big Dog or Small Bear. They're going to hold you on every play. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, still got to find a way to be effective. But if, if Jawan Taylor doesn't get at least one holding call, we already know what time it is. Okay, true or
0: false? If the Niners are losing at halftime of this game, they will lose the
3: game. That's tough for me to say true. I'm going to go with false. Um, because you, it, it, I don't even think the deficit matters. It's coming it, back against Mahomes with this defense. Come listen, on. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it matters. I think, I think the Niners find a way to will themselves back into the game. And if the game is on the line and Brock Purdy has the final drive, I'm rocking with Brock. Just like chiefs fans would rock with Pat. Like it's no different, but you've seen it. You've seen it against Detroit. You saw it. On a smaller scale against Green Bay, that was a playoff game. You saw it on a crazy scale uh, against Detroit, that was a playoff game. And so now we're talking the Super Bowl. The difference is the quarterback. Um, But, hey, what happened to the Niners in 2019? They were trailing. And what did Patrick Mahomes do? Will his team back in. Had a broken down play. Got 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 Jimmy Ward and, and, and Emmanuel Sanders confused on their communication. They like collided and ran into each other. Tyreek Hill goes up in the air, catches the pass. You like, that can't happen. That like, how does that happen? And so can Brock do the same thing? I believe he has the same uh innate abilities. He might not have the strongest arm or whatever. It all comes down to will, man. And Patrick has it. I think Brock has it. I know Brock has it. We've watched him do it. So why wouldn't I believe that he can do it again? You actually bring up a few uh, great points from
0: that. If you had to switch pieces of this Niners Super Bowl team versus the last one, would you rather keep Brock Purdy over Jimmy G, so you would get Jimmy G back, or keep Christian McCaffrey? Oh, you can't. Do versus that. bringing back Elijah Mitchell, or or you could use Raheem Mostert, I guess, if you really want, considering he was on that team too. Oh, I feel like that's, that's sort of cheating, considering he had an awesome year this year. But So you're saying I can either have Brock Purdy or Christian McCaffrey? Yeah, you have to pick what, like, well, it's Christian McCaffrey with Jimmy G still there, or Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy
3: with Elijah with, Mitchell. Yeah, essentially. I got to. I, I gotta go with Brock. Wow. And, and the reason and the reason why is because Jimmy won't be able to get the ball to Christian McCaffrey. And the okay. way the way you utilize Christian McCaffrey, Jimmy's weakness was the short pass game. It was the quick throw. It's difference between short pass and quick throw. And let me just break that down real quick. So when I think of short pass, like um, I'm thinking things like laterally, things to the side, you know, the quick read, quick screen, like things like that. When I think a quick throw is kind of like the stuff right in front. Jimmy was killer at the quick screen. I mean, the quick throws, the slants, though he was he was great, right? Good at the intermediate to the middle, uh, but Brock can make them sideline throws. And I feel like you got to make a couple of them joints in order to keep your uh you know your offense flowing. I think Elijah Mitchell, who his rookie season was almost a thousand yard rusher. he's been dealing with injuries. I think he can still get the damn job done. He's not as dynamic as Christian McCaffrey. He he, he's not that guy, but he can be, the Niners can still run the ball with him effectively is what I'm trying to say. So give me Brock because Brock can manage the game better
0: and make a play when he needs to. Purdy made some ridiculous throws on those 10, 12 yard outs last week. and check I had a couple of big catches on those. But them
3: outs, man. I, I haven't seen it. I probably since Jeff Garcia making out out route throws like that. Like, and that, that's the difference. That's That's one one of the the toughest throws in football.
0: Hands down. All right. Give me a score prediction for the game then. Woo. We had uh, i think it was, I think it was like 24, 20.
3: Okay. uh, That's funny because my score would be 28, 24, 49ers. 28, 24. It's okay. still a four-point game. Isn't that crazy? Yeah.
0: Yeah, you guys are, are right on it. Wow. Uh, give me a give me an MVP then. Are you going with
3: your boy Brock or somebody else? Ah man, um, no, nah, I, I don't think the league likes Brock. And so there they're what I mean is I don't think the league wants to put Brock on that pedestal yet. They don't they don't want him to be that guy. I think it's Christian McCaffrey. I think he gets the MVP. Um because the night because Kyle Shanahan just run the damn ball like run the ball you struggle against the run Christian will probably end up with two touchdowns uh and and Brock will probably end up you know with a touchdown or two um as well but I think you give it to Christian McCaffrey Ezekiel Elliott and
0: Derrick Henry are the only active running backs with more rushing yards than McCaffrey but neither of those guys have Super Bowl ranks or Super Bowl MVP for that matter so if McCaffrey and the Niners can win this weekend. I think he's automatically the greatest running back of our
3: generation. Wow, of this generation, of this generation. Yeah, and and I didn't I didn't even think of that or know that. Um, and those are two great running backs. I know a lot of people give Zeke a lot of a lot of flack, but you know during his heyday in Dallas, he was that dude, and and he was fighting for running backs to get paid. Um, and he got his contract. Unfortunately, he ended up. Uh, he's with the Patriots. He's with the yeah. Patriots. When they needed him, he was good. He had that great game against uh. The you get Steelers what I'm saying in Pittsburgh, and, yeah. And 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 uh, if they if only if only Bill could have utilized him a little bit more, and mixed up him and Ramondre Stevenson, I would love to have seen what that would have looked like. But it is what it is when it comes to you guys. I just think Christian McCaffrey is going to be the most dynamic player on the football, whereas Debo Samuel is going to be the X factor. And Brock Purdy is going to be the glue that makes all that stuff happen. Well, Terrell Davis was the
0: last uh, running back to uh, win Super Bowl MVP. Nineteen ninety eight, he had three rushing touchdowns.
3: Mike Sh- and who was the coach? Mike Shanahan and Ed McCaffrey was on and, that Ed, team. And who? Never mind. You know, I know where you going. <laughs> <laughs> I think
0: I the yeah, they, there's some coaching staff parallels where there's some coaches that were guys on that. This team. else as was well. a running
3: back on that team? Um. I forget it. I the He's the is, 40 he's the 40 he's the 49ers running back coach uh vice coach as well right now. I, I saw this uh article earlier. I feel
0: I feel lame for not writing this down. He was uh, the coach of the Chargers at one point. Robert Turner Jr.
3: Nope. I didn't oh. I don't know who that is. Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn? It's Anthony Lynn? It's Anthony Lynn. He was the running back backup running yeah, back. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. It's Terrell Davis in that. This is fun. Like, like you have so much, you know, heritage and and things like that on both teams. And I just feel like it it would be crazy if it all parallels out and you get Christian McCaffrey as MVP. You get Kyle Shanahan with his first Super Bowl. I'm ready to take the monkeys off the back. Like, it's, it's going to be a great time. But the game is going to be a thriller and, you know, not Manila, but you know what I mean. It's going to be crazy. Well, Eric
0: Lepardis from the Kingdom Connect podcast, he, he like you, said it was going to come down to the last possession and that his Chiefs are going to get a defensive stop to win the game. You'd think Brock Purdy's going to have that signature comeback drive a la Tom, Tom Brady,
3: so many cool. others we've seen. How cool is this, right? Your dude just sat there and said that the Niners were going to end up with the last drive. I'm saying the Niners are going to end up with the last drive, but we have two different scenario outcomes. His defense is tight I think Brock Purdy, though, in that moment where they need a touchdown to win, remember, they, they, it's not a field goal to win. They need to go ahead to get that 28. It's going to be great to watch. I think Brock Purdy gets it done, and you've watched them do it. And I think that, you know, we've watched them do it. The world has watched them do it. And I think the world is just like, how is he doing this? And it's just his confidence and his ability and trust to make those outside throws. I, like, Them outside throws like that are almost impossible to make. And so, yeah, I think Brock Purdy will get it done if it came down to that. I know I don't want it to come down to that. I kind of hope, I'm kind of hoping we're just like leading and, 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 and we just kind of seal the deal at the 28 24 and they score a late touchdown. (laughs) But hey, either way, it's going to be a great game. Going to be the most televised Super Bowl of all time. I can tell you that right now. Yeah. Hopefully, we don't have to deal with uh, streaming
0: paywalls or anything in the future. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, this yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see Nickelodeon and Peacock broadcasting the Super Bowl four years from now. <laughs> uh Dwayne Breezy, ladies and gentlemen from the 49ers Bleacher report. Thank you, sir, for taking time to meet with us, talk some ball. I, I had a blast. This was awesome. Um, this episode is gonna be out a little bit later on this afternoon. Fifth and long fans, Paul and I are gonna have our official uh, full preview of the game releasing tomorrow. We're gonna be recording that episode later tonight. So I'm very excited for that as well. We'll be giving our official picks, predictions, uh, prop bet selections, the whole nine yards. Follow us on the socials: Fifth and Long on Twitter, Fifth and Log Pod on Instagram and YouTube. And the Wayne Breezy, thank you, my man. Have a have a wonderful time at the game. Um, good luck to your Niners as well. Thanks, please. Absolutely.